started as a question. God, you created marriage. Can you make it work? Soon became a statement. God, you created marriage. You can make it work. Thank you for joining us on the Christian Family Life Podcast, where we get into the good, the bad, and the ugly in our marriage relationships and mind God's word to see what it has to say about it. Hey, CFL friends and family, welcome to another episode of Christian Family Life Podcast. I'm Gio Urena. Alongside of me, my lovely wife, Susie. Hello. And then Rolando Alberto Martinez Conde. Yes, sir. Did I get it all right in there? You got it in there, every <laughs> bit of it. And his lovely, lovely wife, Tommy Ling. Thank you. Martinez. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know, Tommy Ling, that's fun. I had a friend of mine who's from Brooklyn, and he wanted to name his daughter Brooke and middle name Lynn. Lynn. <laughs> It's kind of funny. I don't know. Tommy Ling just we, made me think of that. We almost named um, Mandy our second Amanda Lynn, which is you know an instrument. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Well, we're glad you're with us. It's uh, season two, episode number seven, and we're going to put a little bit of a pause on our four stages of marital decline. We did romance. We did reality. Um. We don't want to go to the next one. No. Well, no. Who, who wants to go into resentment? Avoid it. Yeah. We want to avoid it. resentment. <laughs> and then we definitely want to avoid rebellion. But we will eventually get to that. We're taking a little pause because we had a great time out in Seattle in Snohomish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had a hard time That's saying fun that. fun to I mean, say. Snohomish. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> with the House Ministry Center out there with Pastor DJ and Dottie and... Oh, man, we had a great time. Oh man, with that such group. a great time. They, they are they are on fire. Mm -hmm. uh, they're making an impact in their community. Uh, pretty much realizing so so many aspects of ministry that they're excited about, mm. and and then doing something about it. They're not just talking; they're doing. And so, marriage was one of those things that yeah. they wanted to strengthen. And so, it was great to be out there. Yeah, fifty couples um, came to the uh, the conference, and they'll be launching out small groups from there. And so we're excited about that. But what happened was we ran out of time while we were there, and there were a bunch of great questions that we thought we would bring it into the podcast. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're taking the pause today. We, we've got several questions we're going to tackle here in the 30 minutes and as best we can, and, uh, and we'll go from there. All right? Awesome. So we're gonna, it's, it's more like a launching point because I think each of these questions can technically be a full podcast. Right, man, a full mm -hmm. podcast, mm -hmm. a, a full series, yeah. re really unpacking some things. Were, do, do we really know all the details? Whenever we just ask a high level question, yeah, we we don't. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So so we're gonna we're gonna give it the uh, what we like to say the thirty thousand foot view mm -hmm. <laughs> of these questions, and and maybe it'll spur something on for us to do down the road of tackling this as a as a resource of study. Um, we'll see. All right. Well, the first question. And we're going to direct it to Roland and Tammy because you guys are actually living this first question. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is the question. With we are to leave and cleave with that scripture in mind, what advice do you have for wives whose in-laws live with them? But it's not just the wives, they're probably husbands too, who in-laws live with them. I'd, I'd, say, I'd say two things. Number one, Ephesians 6 which quotes one of the Ten Commandments, which is to honor your father and your mother. When, 
when does your father or mother cease to be your father or mother? They never do. And so that idea of honoring them, I do think that the obedience part obviously shifts as we get into adulthood, Mm -hmm. but honor really never shifts. And so uh, again, without getting into all of the details and the different dynamics, because there's a lot of personalities at play. Uh, There's a lot of uh, establishing of boundaries that needs to happen. But I know for Tammy and for me, the decision that we made to invite Tammy's mom and dad into our home, especially with Tammy's dad's health declining, eventually the Lord taking him home a little over a year ago, we just knew that 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 was the step we needed to take. So number one was that. Number one was wanting to honor them. And the option that we could offer was to bring them in our home. Mm -hmm. Uh, People choose other options while continuing to honor them, which is good. Mm -hmm. And then I'd say the second thing is a lot of conversations do need to take place. And a lot of open, a lot of honest conversation. I think about times because so our current situation is Tammy's mom and my mom. So there's a lot of conversations where we can express frustration to one another mm-hmm. uh, about the the mother or the mother-in-law without changing the fact that we love each other, we love them, the mm-hmm. situation's not going to change, but I've got to just be honest with where I'm at. And so either either work me through how I'm seeing this the wrong way or hear me out and say, yes, that's true, right. but here's kind of where we go with it. Yeah, with with us now because aging aging moms. Um, mm-hmm. Prior to um, it was it was just my parents, and it was because of my father's um, onset of we thought Alzheimer's. It ended up being demen- dementia. He never forgot us. He did pass two years ago, um, but also with you know as I'm I'm thinking about you know I look at the question. It's in laws living in the home. You know, some people choose early on to move in with their parents because it's financially a good idea. And I would just, I mean, on the, in, those, in those instances, I would say live where you need to live, live by yourself. <laughs> if you have to live with your parents for a time and, and you know that that, is, that that is the best, you know, scenario for you, then that's different. But I just, I mean, it, it needs to be a temporary situation. I know that um, for us, we would not. That would have been rough early on had we had yeah, that's to move a good in filter. with either of our parents. Yeah. yeah, that's a good filter. What What's your motivation for doing it? Uh, right. our, our motivation was not because it was, you know, financially beneficial. No, no, it was <laughs> because we wanted to help my mom. And anyway, so the the Lord has, you know, He definitely, ha- and we when we did that, we were already married twenty uh, some years, and so you know, kids were still at home, and kids are still at home. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, but uh, it's definitely uh, we we do believe it's what the Lord's called us to do, um, and we knew that a while ago. So, on that, yeah, good. Mm-hmm. The next question is one that has to do with what we read in Genesis three. Under the woman, he said, "I will greatly, I will greatly increase thy sorrow in in childbirth. You'll bring forth children." And your desire will be to your husband, and he will rule over you, over you. How would this practice work in a marriage? We've got the curses being laid out in Genesis 3 for Adam and Eve's disobedience. 
And what we find in regards to the relationship between a man and a woman, without going into a long, drawn-out explanation, I think the simple way to summarize into how this works in a marriage is that God had an original intent with Adam and Eve. He brought them together to embrace different roles. The role of the male is different from the role of the female, and it doesn't make one lesser than the other one. They're equal. I believe what the fall brought in <laughs> is this idea that we're going to work contrary to God's original intent. So man is going to take his authority and he, it's going to be exaggerated. And woman is going to, in response to an exaggerated, uh, at times unhealthy authority, is going to buck against that authority. Where God's original intent is that a husband and a wife work together, that he embrace his role as leader, she embraces his role as submission to in submission to that leadership, and together they move forward. And what we read in Genesis three is that it, that sin would work against that constantly. So again, a, a lot more that could be said there, but I'd simplify it that way. I think one thing to maybe keep in, in mind here as we're looking at this is Satan loves to pit us against one another. Mm -hmm. One of the phrases that we use at to becoming one is my spouse is not my enemy. Mm -hmm. Even when they look like it, even when it feels like it, even when maybe circumstances would lend itself towards that way, that is an act of Satan to get us to look at each other as our enemies. Mm -hmm. And so another thing that he does is I think that he establishes winners and losers. And you tend to feel like, well, if I didn't get my way, if mm -hmm. I didn't win, if things didn't go the way I want, then I'm the loser. And if I'm looking at my spouse and, and they're fulfilling a, a role or something that I want to be doing, then they're the winner. And, and um, most people feel good about being a winner. Nobody wants to be a loser. And so we avoid it. I think if we can mm -hmm. remove those labels yep. that society has attached and then step into the roles that God has established way before society, mm -hmm. um, for, God, for his order for oneness, things just work that way. I mean, mm -hmm. he created marriage, yeah. told us how to, how to make it work. Let's just follow his plan. Yeah, and, and also when we look at Jesus, when, he, when he, he came, to, he was born into a world that had shamed women. You know, there was, it was uh, in, that, in that time period, men could, could you know, divorce women but women could not so in that in that time period there were and I, I just think of the the one um instance where Jesus is at the well and he's talking to the Samaritan woman which was not done in public you know men did not um talk to women alone and he um he he didn't name her sin he he named her shame and he he called he lifted her up out of her shame and I think that that when we look at what Jesus, how Jesus treated women, he he led them, but he he brought honor to them. And so, in that same, you know, kind of in that same vein, what you know, when when we look at roles, you know, a husband um, and a wife, there is there is an honor, and there is there's not this, you know. Um, dictatorship going on that it's not you know it's my way or the highway it's not I mean it's 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 a coming under and and I think a lot of times if women grow up in a in a household where their father was was 
a dictator, then it definitely affects her going into her going into going into her adult life and into her marriage and, and views. So I think that, you know, when we look at, you know, what it's it's both and it's, you know, we talk about it with um, with in the curriculum that we're, we're we're submitting ourselves one to another and that, you know, Roland is the head of our home and I can submit to his headship because God God has uh, God has established that but also I'm I'm free to do that I don't have to lead I don't have to I don't have to to you know I don't have to he's not going to be passive either so that's a whole other conversation too and I think that there is there is a lot of that going on where women can't come under a man's leadership because you know, because of some baggage, but you know, that when a man is honoring and like Jesus was honoring and Jesus was uh, a servant leader, you know, then it's, it's definitely takes two there on the marital roles. Yeah. I I think how that works in marriage is to know that Genesis three is contrary to what God intended and what we're trying to highlight in a really short amount of time is the fact that we not only mutually love and submit to one another, but we mutually value each other. Mm -hmm. Where Genesis 3 points everything right back at us. And and, and so we're considering whether or not we're valued when we really need to be doing is making sure that we value our spouse Mm -hmm. and the role that they have. That's right. I think before we move on to the next question, I think one thing that I like to... um, (coughs) excuse me, keep in mind as we talk about the act of submission is that um, like if in my submission to my husband or his submission to me through that mutual, um, submission starts with, from me, starts with me. Mm -hmm. It is a gift that I offer. It's a gift that he offers. Um, You know, once it becomes expected or demanded, um, it no longer is submission. Mm -hmm. And so I tell you what, without the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm quite certain that that's not Mm -hmm. an act that comes naturally to me. I I know that. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. We sort of addressed this if you were there at the the conference on Saturday, but the question said, what was the lowest point of your marriage and how did you overcome? So again, if you did attend, you heard Travis and Michelle's testimony and how there was um, betrayal within there, perceived betrayal. And um, really, it was just through the power of the Holy Spirit and prayer Mm -hmm. that reconciled their marriage. And so Gio and I spoke briefly about this, and it included the act of submission, um, which again would be, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit. In the question here, there's a parenthesis that says steps. Uh, I don't know that there are any steps, one, two, three, you do this, this will happen. Um, I think that everything always goes back to scripture. Roland, I think you, you know, said at the beginning about living by biblical principle. And so whatever scripture directs you to do in whatever specific case it is that you're struggling with, I think those are the steps you need to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we... You know, we, we walk through low points. I mean, I think every marriage is going to go through that. I think that there's struggles, there's trials, but there's victories on the other end right. as well. And so, you know, I know one of the things that we discuss as a team is we don't want to go into into this ministry with the Eeyore mm-hmm. theology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is mm-hmm. gl- doom and gloom mm-hmm. and everything is bad and everything is awful. Um, and so 
the reality is this. There are trials. There are things that come into our life. <sighs> Last week's podcast talked about reality, that they're, they're going to be a part of you, who you are. But naturally, our sin nature dips into the resentment of our spouse, which eventually leads to rebellion, which will be podcast uh, in the next couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is we need to be reminded of God's um, original intent and what Satan's plan is to thwart that. And Satan's plan is to attack at the core of whatever it is. And for all of us, it's different. And, um, you know, for every couple, there's different things that we deal with and we go through and Satan knows what those triggers are. And so he's going to make sure that those are there. Uh, But at the same time, I think that we can't give Satan that much credit. We've got to look into our own lives, into our own hearts Mm -hmm. and say, well, where do I stand in light of who Christ is in me? And how am I bringing that into my marriage so that I can have victory, so that we together can have victory through whatever the trial may be and whatever the, di- the disagreement may be. And so there are, like you said, Susan, I don't think there are steps. Um, like, <laughs> you know, do one, two, and three, and these are going to be gone. You're never going to have issues. And, and I'd say this. I'd be leery really in any area of life where someone offers some three-step plan or even a 15-step plan <laughs> in order to accomplish that, that goal that you, that you want to have in your life, uh, uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. Everything is a process. You you ask the person that has a strict nutrition plan. You ask a person that uh, has great physical health. You ask emotional, spiritual. N- none of that just happens. Now, are there steps we take? Yes, but those steps are just part of the process. Yeah, and that's that's. I think for me, the way I see it in scripture, it's, it's a lifelong process. Mm-hmm. And so it's something that you're going to continually be growing through. And, um, you know, the, the steps thing for me is concerning in a sense, because somebody's going to say, well, I did one, two and three and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I'm giving up and, um, and we don't want you to give up. We want you to, to, to go to scripture. If there is steps, here it is. Read the Bible, mm-hmm. pray, mm-hmm. go to church. Find out what God has to say about whatever the topic is that you're dealing with and and then see the Holy Spirit work in and through you. Mm-hmm. But it's that that's ultimately the uh the yeah. game plan, I think. Yeah. For our for our story, I would say it was probably in a time where we we really anticipated much happiness <laughs> and it was we had just built a house and um we had a pool. We had built a pool and I missed that pool. Yeah, I do too. And the hot tub. But we we were I mean, we are we were five kids in. I just had um my first son Kai who was he was an infant and we were just I think that we were at a frustrated uh point in, in ministry. I think there was lots of factors that played into that. I was I I I, I think we were super busy if I remember right. We were I was doing children's ministry and you were doing um, the church ministry as well. Yeah, we described that season of our marriage as running parallel paths. Parallel paths. I mean, we, we were together, but we were not together. Right. We weren't one. We weren't one. <laughs> we were definitely not one and striving and uh, or thriving, I should say. But we, um, we, we had a lot of high points 
so, you know, I think when you look back, oh, this is the lowest point. This was definitely the lowest point. And I think it was because the Lord was preparing us for, mm-hmm. for what we're doing now. You know, we didn't, we, we could, we can kind of <laughs> coast on those high points. And then when we get those low points, we didn't really deal with it like we should have probably. And we just kind of let them, let that storm, you know, pass. <laughs> and then we're on to, you know, look for those high points again to go back to those high points. And we, uh, anyway, all of that to say, you know, we loved, we loved our family. We weren't going anywhere. We weren't going to divorce, but, but we were definitely not thriving and, and Satan was winning in, in many, in many ways, um, being in ministry, but, but God just really, as he does, he leads us. He doesn't, um, you know, it's, it's, there was a low point, but there was there was a high point coming, and the Lord really brought us to a place where I think we needed to realize, you know, we don't do this perfectly, and you know, and there's there's a lot of you know marriages that need to hear, you know, that broken marriages can be restored, and and He truly did restore, mm-hmm. and thank the Lord, thank the Lord for that, <laughs> <laughs> thank the Lord for that. So, mm-hmm. um, should I jump to question number four? Mm-hmm. Okay, so. One of the questions was, any thoughts on marriages without Jesus that go the distance? 50 plus years, no Jesus. So um, my first thought is Solomon. And I think um, he was the wisest man on earth, made gardens, planted vineyards for himself, had great possessions, had many concubines, I should add. Whatever my, his, his quote, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. And yet all was vanity. And in the end, and it was striving after the wind. Um, and then one of the quotes from Ecclesiastes says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the all of mankind. Since every deed will, since every deed will God bring judgment for every hidden act, be it good or evil. And I think, um, you know, if, if I, I think that there's many ways that, you know, people can live for a long time, you know, and I just also think about, you know, I recently watched a documentary on um, this part of Japan where there's the most people, there's the most centenarians, and they, these are people that live 100 years and beyond, and um, Zac Efron is the one on, the, on this on this documentary and he's he's talking to different people and he just wants to know what what is your secret and and <laughs> this was a funny part and and I'll just say this really quick they're sitting in and and they're making dinner and they're making um like a like their version of a ravioli okay so pasta and <laughs> and Zach Efron says I've got my whole, I've got 10 years of my life and I have not touched carbs. Mm. <laughs> and now, <laughs> now I find out I can live to be a hundred and I'm okay to eat the carbs. And I think, you know, and, and in the end they were saying that, you know, that there's everything in moderation, you know, but they also eat, uh, they're, they're also a lot, a lot of vegetables, very little meat. And so all of those things, as you know, um, the food, you know, food and dieting, that whole industry has changed in my lifetime, you know, drastically. So there's different trends. But anyway, I just thought that was funny. Here, here you go to interview people that have lived 100 years and find out that, you know, you're not eating the right things. You're, Mm. you're, you're, or you're eliminating, (laughs) eliminating really good things. And so anyway, all that to say, um, I just think that I think people can live, uh, you know, a, a go in marriage, 50 years and beyond, 
Um, but it, you know, if they're not, if, if it's without the Lord, it's, it's definitely not thriving. We have to think, I just, I just think how, how you, you know, when I think of the, the phrase hound of heaven, you know, that that's what the Lord is, is he is, he is, um, he's trying to reach, he wants to reach everybody. He's not willing that any should perish and to go your life kind of running from the Lord too. I, I have to, I have to say that if you're married, I think personality, I think a lot of things can come into play. Um, but when you're not, when you're not living for the Lord, it's, you know, there's, there's definitely not a thriving. Um, I don't think it's definitely not by, you know, God's design, you know, um, original intent, Adam and Eve in the garden before, before the fall, they had a perfect relationship with the Lord. And then Satan came and and deceived and tempted. And, and then, you know, so living in a fallen world and not having the Lord, I, I would, I would definitely say based on scripture, I, you know, I, I just would say that, that there's, there's probably a lot of emptiness, a lot of vanity, a lot of doing your thing. Maybe mm-hmm. you're not challenging each other. Maybe you're, you're just, you know, just living out. Um, maybe you're together because of your kids and you, you know that there's a lot of people out there that are stubborn enough to not get divorced yeah, <laughs> because there sure are. they know it's, they know one thing and that's not the answer. And so mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's important to remember that we said it earlier in the podcast that God's the one that created marriage. He also created it with a purpose Mm-hmm. And so while you may remain married, I mean, statistics show that 50 plus marriages, you know, without Jesus exist, but they're not, it's impossible for them to fulfill the purpose for mm-hmm. marriage. You know, yeah. I would say if they're not, if, if Jesus is not a part of their marriage, then they're probably not reproducing a godly heritage, That's at right. least not intentional on their part. And then the last one, we know that for sure they're not reigning together in spiritual warfare. They don't probably don't even realize they're in spiritual warfare. So can it happen? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But are they thriving? I could not say that with any certainty. It's one of those things where you wish you can interview somebody mm-hmm. that's been married 50 plus years and ask, <laughs> ask them the questions. Um, because, you know, I'm, we're just making some assumptions as far as what their relationship is like. <laughs> We do know the purpose for marriage. We do know what the scriptures teach. We know what God intended for it. So without Jesus, you're, you're right, Suze, you're not fulfilling those things. Mm-hmm. But I, I like to think that if you did interview somebody, and, and this is to your point, Tammy, um, that there's, there are probably more roommates. There's probably mm-hmm. avoidance of mm-hmm. any struggle. Um, and personalities come into play. Maybe they enjoy the same things. Like, hey, we like going to the movies. We like going to a sporting event. We like going to whatever where some of the struggles come in when people have totally different personalities and they got to work that together. But there's a lot of factors at play uh, with that. Can somebody be married 50-plus years without Jesus? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I I have no doubt that that can happen. But are they fulfilling, as we were talking about, Suze? Mm -hmm. Are they fulfilling those purposes and... um, you know, are they making statements like the key to a happy life is a happy wife? Yeah, that's right. Or the key is I just let him do his thing and I do my thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I heard this once from uh, the last conference we were at, not the Seattle one, but the last conference. Uh, I, I like this phrase better. A key to happy. Uh, happy house, happy, happy spouse. Happy, happy spouse, happy, happy house. house. <laughs> Instead of happy wife or happy husband. I think both of them. It's a win-win. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a win-win-win. <laughs> lots to say there. I think I think it's an interesting question. Really, you can insert anything. Can you can you have good friends? Can you be successful in business? Can you make a lot of money? Mm-hmm. Can you mm-hmm. be married fifty years without Jesus? Uh, people can. We see it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do they really fulfill all that God intends for us to fulfill? Mm. Or, and do we really get to experience the levels of intimacy in relationship? that God has for us. I think it's interesting. Uh, some couples uh, are, are asked when they hit 50 years, hey, how do you get there, right? We, we ask for advice in marriage and uh, in uh, a couple things that people have said, keep a good friendship, face the world together, respect personality differences, get over the argument quickly, be a good listener, uh, apologize properly, <coughs> make your spouse feel special, remember good times, right? So there's, <laughs> so, so there's all this great advice that, that people are going to give, right. but uh, do, do they, they, there's no depth or there, there's a lack of depth there. So we have three more questions that were asked. The, one of them well, let me just read them. How do we build true intimacy in the bedroom while recovering from husband's porn addiction? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let the ladies speak to that a little bit. How do we build true intimacy in the bedroom while recovering from the husband's porn addiction? So I think this is a woman writing about her husband wanting to rebuild intimacy in their home. Mm-hmm. The other question that goes along with this is my wife. So this is from a man. My wife won't trust me with my past with porn. After having an accountability partner, what should I do to win her trust? <coughs> well, speaking, we did briefly speak to that at mm-hmm. um, the conference yep, and where we talked about that true intimacy begins way before the bedroom, mm-hmm. <laughs> way prior to the bedroom. If you are waiting to, you know, moment of to try and smooth things out and make sure you're on the same page and, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's probably not going to happen. So I, I truly believe that effort put into emotional intimacy, that naked and unashamed part that we talk about a lot, tends to lend itself towards sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we don't, we, I believe truly there's a difference between sexual intimacy and sexual relations, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um, That's for sure. Yeah. And so I would say to the one where, where it was asking for, you know, from the wife's perspective, um, you have to offer forgiveness. It's not, it's not a matter of, do you feel like it? Do you want to now what, what translates on the other side of that, you know, are conversations that are continual, but you know, Mm -hmm. we, as those who have been forgiven much, we have to forgive much. So that would be my input for that. I would also say that, you know, if there was, they're recovering from a porn addiction, then, then they have, they have shed light on it, allowed, you know, however that was discovered or however that happened, whatever played out before. Um, but, but that, that is, that is, I mean, I just think be thankful that, that that was, that that was, um, he opened up, they came Mm -hmm. clean. And so that is, I mean, my goodness, your spouse is, is no longer bound to that. I mean, he, he, he's moving in the direction of being healed. And I think that we can, as a, as a wife, we can play a role in that. You know, I think that we get stuck there. Oh, I can't, I can't get past, but you know, they're not still in that. They're not, you know, I mean, there's, 
that it, I think that, like you said, to, to your point, Sue's, you know, forgiveness, you know, forgiveness is an act of the will. The emotions will follow. Mm-hmm. I mean, we need to choose to forgive. And if it's something that you tell yourself every day and you put scripture and remind yourself of, of, you know, what the Lord has forgiven you of, I think that that's where we're stuck sometimes, I think. And I don't know, it, I can't say it's all women, but I, I do think we, we kind of think we're saints and, um, we don't, we don't, we, we, we may not struggle though. I know Susie, you said that it's, it's becoming, becoming just as prevalent in women as it is in men. But, but I think that, that once that's open, once that light is, is shed on that, um, addiction, then, then definitely, you know, I know that it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy, but, but the Lord, the Lord will get you through it. I mean, he, he does miracles all the time. I mean, let's, let's just pray through it and, and definitely move towards him instead of away from him. Mm -hmm. I think on the flip side of that for the guy is, or for the offender, let's just put it that way, because right. whether it's the guy or the girl, mm-hmm. is uh, allowing the process to happen too. Because right. I think a lot of times is whatever the sin is, and we talk about abuse, addiction, adultery. That's right. I mean, any of these things that, that comes into play in offending your spouse in that way, um, this is not leaving your shoes at the front door. This, I mean, these things get deep. And so there needs to be a process in place for for that offense to work itself out and i think a lot of times the offender um once it's discovered or whatever it is they're like okay i'm sorry yeah let's move on (laughs) well there was an injury there you know and so it's a process of nursing that and working through that and that's one of the things that we want to bring to light when we are answering this question is we provide through christian family life uh pastoral counseling and that takes us to a certain point. Then there's some deep, deep issues like these that we're talking about that would require good biblical clinical counseling. Right. And what we would do, we would say is we would encourage you to go to your team, your pastoral team at your church um, for them to, to recommend. A lot of churches are working with counselors to recommend uh, somebody that you can go to. If, if, if your church can't help you or you have nowhere to go, feel free to reach out to us here at Christian Family Life, and we've got contacts that we can uh, move you to. It may not be face-to-face. It may be more over the phone or Zoom, depending on where you're at. But I think that's one of those things is like the the moment you say, I'm sorry, is, is the beginning of the healing process. It's, it's, it's not overnight. It's not like, you know, you don't have surgery and, man, I'm good to go, you know. Um, it's a process of healing and so be patient in the process and together seek God and, and his healing. Yeah, I think another uh, mm. couple things to consider along with what's already been offered is uh, sex is a good thing. And it's the enemy that has taken and created something that brings about shame and gives us a false sense of fulfillment and the other, the other thing that we can recognize as we navigate coming out of a porn addiction or how do you navigate those temptations is that y- your true fulfillment is only going to be in the Lord. And when you find your fulfillment in the Lord, you can grow in that intimacy, which is kind of how we started the conversation. 
that leads to being able to experience the deep levels of physical intimacy mm-hmm. that the Lord wants us to experience in marriage. So there are rewards there. And so you fight for purity rather than looking for those things that they don't require, they don't require effort. Uh, mm-hmm. I can, I can plug in a search. I can go and without any work, go mm-hmm. and find what I think is going to satisfy That's only right. to find myself very unsatisfied. Uh, and as a result, creating, creating distance in my marriage relationship that, that shouldn't be, that we mm-hmm. don't want there. Well, we're at our time guys. And we went a little bit over. Um, we're, we're glad that you joined us here today. I hope, uh, answering some of these questions has helped a little bit, at least shed some light. I know that we can get a little bit deeper and, um, and dive a little bit further into these, uh, questions, but for a 30, 30 minute, and uh, we tackled quite a bit there, guys. We did. I'm so proud of us. <laughs> and so, um, we had a couple questions and one. probably what we'll yeah. do is we're going to, we're going to jump on these. Uh, mm-hmm. on another podcast because I do think that there's uh, a lot of resentment building in marriage and I also think that there's different levels of abuse mm-hmm. and one of the mm-hmm. questions had to do with sexual abuse and so rather than not give the question justice uh, we're gonna do Move another podcast next one. Yeah. well that'll just give you another reason to jump in on the ne- next podcast uh, we are talking about resentment uh, next the next week so we'll we'll tackle some of that well, we're glad you joined us. We, would, we do want to thank the House Ministry Center, uh, Pastor DJ and uh, Dottie out there, for the opportunity to come out and to share the message of faith love with your, uh, with your people. And uh, if you're listening and you are interested in the CFL team coming out and doing a training for marriage discipleship, uh, we are all about that. Uh, we do provide a virtual training as well. Uh, just reach out to us uh, through our uh, platforms. And uh, let us know that you're interested. Thank you for listening in. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Christian Family Life Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. To learn more about the ministry, visit our website, christianfamilylife.com. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter and find all of our social media links where we offer resources to help strengthen your marriage. Until next time, remember, God created marriage. He can make it work.